And we're on the air in five, four, three, two, one. Pencil. We are beginning to be able, cautiously and with our eyes open, to encourage some interchange of ideas. We have to start thinking about tomorrow. I've heard that somewhere. We must act today in order to preserve tomorrow. And let there be no misunderstanding. Our so, uh, welcome. This is the, the Here You Are Wassa podcast. I am, uh, okay, all right, well, see, you, you lead me in here and I'm going with you. I'm in the room, I'm here, I'm hot, I'm wired. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm all juiced up on steroids. Come on, let's go. So, uh, welcome to the Here You Are Wassa podcast, episode number 75. I'm, uh, I'm one of your co-hosts, Dino. And I'm Eric. And uh, so, uh, how have you been, Eric? I've been fine. Yeah? Are you uh, enjoying the spring, then winter, then spring weather we're having here in Wisconsin? Yeah. It, people have been pretty crabby this week. Isn't it something? I mean, because, so, if in case you haven't been following the weather in central Wisconsin, uh, was it last week or two weeks ago? We had like a 68-degree day. Yeah, last week. Yeah, so we had and a this six. Week we get snow. Right. It, let, yesterday I wake up and there's snow on the ground, and you know it's like okay, so let's just make up our fucking minds, would we? You know, but I, I get the sense that we're kind of coming out of this. This was sort of the last hurrah, maybe. I don't know exactly, but what do you think? Are we at the end? I, I saw a robin today. Does that oh, count? That's something. I think that that actually is nature. They're smarter than we are, so. I uh, yeah, I was. I've been. I've been saying that people are going to be really crabby this week, or at least when it snows again. So I've been sort of preparing myself for the crankiness. And yeah. So do you have do you have allergies like I do? I don't remember. I do. They haven't been too bad in the last few years. But okay. Yeah, I've been on I'm the sort of waiting for them to kick in. I guess. How's right. the honey working for you? The, it's great. So I it's you know I do it every every night. Uh, honey doesn't is not nearly as sweet as i thought it was hmm. and so that that gets back to i think you know you and i had talked about quitting soda cold turkey right and so the the deal is soda I, you're right you were right about this it fucks up your taste buds because you know you just think oh that's what sweetness is and the reality is that's honey and it's not nearly as aggressive in my mouth as mountain dew used to be right you know and so, so you think about how you know honey is just pure sugar, right? Can what exactly is Mountain Dew? What must Mountain Dew actually be mm-hmm. to generate that sensation in your mouth? But yeah, so yeah, but uh, the cold turkey thing was was pretty good, uh, or has been going really well. Uh, I have supplemented it with because I I got the new project, so I I'm not av- avoiding caffeine at all. Um, but I am just sort of drinking more black tea and kind of consciously counting coffee because if if guys like, you know, guys who are sort of doing the campaign work that I do, just if we're not checked, we're, we're just drinking coffee by the pitcher. 
you know. Right. So right. just let it get lukewarm and then just like dudes drink pitchers of beer. That's how I would drink pitchers of coffee. So, But thank- it's got health benefits. Yeah, not at that level. Nothing's well, got no, health. No, nothing has health that healthy benefit. You know, when you're drinking six cups of coffee a day, that's just. But it has some health benefits. See, Mountain oh yeah, Dew has, Mountain Dew has none, so right. I can justify those things by yes. saying, "Hey, these things have right. this health benefit, so I can drink as much of it as I want." Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yes, we can we can sell it to ourselves however you want. But sure. th- I mean, there was a day this week where, like, all of a sudden, I had two. No, it was I was in Milwaukee. It was last week. I was in Milwaukee, and I was meeting with <clears throat> web developers, and I had uh, – I think I told you this. I had four meetings in the course of a day at four different coffee shops. Nice. And all of a sudden, you, you go, okay, now I have to drive to my hotel and try to sleep because I have to get up tomorrow morning for an 8 o'clock uh, appointment. And it's like, yeah, I'm not sleeping. But uh, Yeah, see, I'm being bipolar and depressed. And having clinical depression, yeah. I think that it's never affected me the way oh, it affects okay. other people. So I could drink a pitcher of coffee right now and go straight to sleep. Oh, there's been many times where you and I have gone to midnight movies right. when we were a few years younger, and I would stop at the gas station on the way, the convenience store, and I would pick up one of the five-hour energy drinks. Really? Because I knew that I was getting to be an old guy, and I needed to make sure that I stayed awake for the three-hour movie that I was about to watch at midnight. And I would get home, and it would be, you know, I'd go straight to sleep. So, wow. That's yeah. that's terrifying to me because – but the other thing is, you know, uh, in my relationship in college, uh, she didn't let me have caffeine in college, which, which is oh. when you're supposed to have caffeine. Right. And you, you know, but uh, it was this – oh, God. Oh. Wow. It was it was this thing where and I and I worked as a coffee roaster so that's hilarious. <laughs> um, like she's like oh you know ca- caffeine because she was really into sort of natural healing and all that sort of stuff and caffeine over periods of time can affect the, your DNA and that will affect your child your children and I'm like right. great are we having children now because I have a lot of studying to do <laughs> and everybody else is drinking coffee. And I'm drinking whatever the shit you're, you've allowed me to have. So, yeah. So we're talking about rock shows this week. Yes. Are you Do you drink any caffeine before the shows? So my ca- you- so the deal is the deal with that is uh, traditionally. So we live in central Wisconsin, and if I have to travel to a rock show, in, invariably the pattern is almost always the same. So if I'm traveling to uh, Minneapolis, historically I would leave here with a bottle of water and I would drive to this place just on the other side of Eau Claire, uh, called it's a gas station called 29 pines. Hmm. And I would stop and I would get, uh, a Mountain Dew amp or a Red Bull or something like that. Now I don't do that. So, um, if I was going to a show now, I would, I would get coffee. Sure. Um, yeah. And so his, yeah, I, I do historically. And, and so the context, everybody, is, is wondering why I'm not drinking. It's because I don't drink alcohol at all. So it's, you know, that's neither here nor there, but I just, I don't do it. And so uh, I want to be awake and, and functioning for the show. And so I, and if I go to Milwaukee, uh, typically in the past, I would go, I would leave here and I would stop at, uh, in Stevens Point and I'd get the same thing, a Red Bull or something like that. And then I'd have to stop at the petrol station and pee. And then I'd <laughs> replace the Red Bull and I'd head on to Milwaukee. Um, but what about you? 
I don't, I mean, I don't do it to stay awake. Yeah. So I just do it because I like the flavor of sure. stuff. So even like a you know big can of Red Bull or Rockstar, whatever it is, I mean, I don't drink those to say, hey, I got to stay awake. I think I tell myself that I do that to stay awake, but right. I just like the flavor of it. I sure. don't think it does anything to me as far as adrenaline goes like it does for most people. Yeah. No, I, I uh, just because of the traveling, I, I tend to, you know, stop and get stuff. On the way home, I, you know, I know that I, I stop at the, it's hilarious. I stop at the uh, PDQ in Waukesha and I get coffee there. And then I stop <laughs> again at the petrol station and pee and get more coffee. And then I can usually make it home from the petrol station. But uh, yeah, so we're talking about concerts, you know. Right. Um, so the, the, the motivation for this came from my friend Bill Grau, who's also a listener to the podcast. Hello, Bill. Thanks, um, Bill. Thanks, Bill. Uh, went to see Bruce Springsteen a couple of weeks ago with his parents. Uh, his parents are huge Springsteen people, and uh, and so they took Bill to go. And we had initially wanted to invite Bill, or we invited Bill to do the do the podcast. We hope he'll do one in the future, but he's busy with his uh, his job now, so he couldn't make it tonight. So, but we thought let's talk about concerts because Eric and I have both gone to a lot of concerts in our lives. So. So let's start with the obvious question. Um, what's your favorite? Or what? No, no, I'm sorry. What was your first concert? My first concert is. Are you ready for the mockery jokes? Yep, go ahead, bring it. Vanilla Ice. You're kidding me. No. I didn't go to a lot of shows. I've got some crowd phobias, and I think I've always yep. probably had those. I know when I was younger, I wanted to go to Summerfest because Black Keys, or not Black Keys, Black Sheep. Yep. And Naughty by Nature and a few other hip hoppers were playing at Summerfest. And I really wanted to go down. I couldn't find anybody to go. So I was going to college in St. Paul and <clears throat> I didn't have a lot of friends. I hung out in my dorm all weekend, you know, just sort of listened to this hip hop R and B station and um I always wanted to be a DJ, so I was just all about the music and they were having a concert or a contest. To get, they were giving away tickets to this Vanilla Ice concert, and that was when Ice Ice Baby was huge. Okay, and uh, you know, back in the day, the for those that are younger that are listening, they used to have radio stations, <laughs> and they would have contests, and you would be you would call in on a telephone, and you would try to be the you know X number caller, and if you were that caller. Sometimes they'd give you questions, or sometimes they would just say, hey, you won. Well, I happen to be the caller. And I won two tickets to see Vanilla Ice at some low-key club in St. Paul. Really? Yeah. Did you like it? Was it was probably a... Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was probably a... It was a little bigger than, than Scott Street. It was probably the size of Bruisers, which was a dance club in this area. And... It, as far as dance clubs go, it was fairly small, but it had this this stage, and yeah, he was there. There couldn't have been more than 150 people at the show, so me and the girl I was dating were right up next to the stage, and yeah, it was a lot of fun. That's awesome. He invited everybody to come back to his hotel room afterward and party, and I tried to talk her into going, and she thought, well... He's not actually going to do that. He's just giving you shit. You're going to go to the hotel, and you know he's not going to be there. Well, it turned out he was. Uh, so I, I could have hung out with Vanilla at the time, but 
we didn't end up going. So, but yeah, I, I as far as I can remember, that was my first show. Wow, that's cool. How about you? So my first show is is literally decades before that. Right. So uh, <laughs> I was six years old. I was six years old, and my parents took me to see Frank Sinatra at McCormick Place in Chicago. Wow. Yeah, so, uh, and it was, you know, so McCormick Place probably holds, or at the time probably held 5,000, it was a theater, like like a traditional seated theater, and it held about 5,000 people, I think, or maybe 3,000, I can't remember, I was six, so I don't remember. I haven't been since then. Um, and, uh, so Frank's opening band was the iconic drummer, Buddy Rich. If, uh, if you're, fa- if you're familiar with music history, Buddy Rich is one of those sort of iconic figures of around that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Frank came out and, uh, and so the deal, so for me, it's, uh, it's this, this great story. You know, my family was, is from Chicago. Uh, you know, Frank, we're Italian, Frank Sinatra's Italian, so obviously, you know, the connection was huge. My dad came came of age in America when Sinatra was, you know, the dominant musical force. And so he's like, look, we're, you, my, my child will go. And so we went down and uh, it w- the great thing was we went down and we stayed at my Aunt Mary's house and we took a cab. It was my first cab ride as well. We took a cab to McCormick Place. And I just remember the cab being the coolest thing ever and terrifying because it was it was uh, 1976 in Chicago and uh, the cabs looked like they look in movies, like cars from the 50s or something. And so I just remember being, you know, so freaked out by the cab that that was the most powerful thing of the night. But looking back, my dad has uh, kept the... Chicago Tribune did uh, a, an insert in the newspaper about Sinatra being in town and stuff. So my dad kept that, and so I've kept that it, since my dad passed. I have the the thing. So, yeah, I mean, I yeah, I I started going to shows really really young, and uh, I think my next concert I was uh, just barely double digits, and uh, Black Flag played in Medford, Wisconsin. Wow! And we went to that. You know, so me and Bill and Darren and stuff. And yeah, so. There's a fun story behind that, if I remember. Yeah, so uh, the the fun story is I, I broke my arm at the concert and uh, the band took me to the hospital and because my parents dropped us off because they're horrible parents. And, uh, and, and I became lifelong friends with uh, the guys from that band. And so ended up working for Henry for a while. So, yeah. It uh, it was one of those things where I'm like, that's just super cool. So for yeah. anybody that lis- that's listening that doesn't know who Black Flag is, Henry Rollins yeah. was the leader Sorry. of the band. So. Yeah. yeah, he was one of many singers they had. <clears throat> right. So uh, yeah, and so the the story is the only one that matters. Right. The um, the the kid uh, Tombstone Pizza used to be, or I think they might still be in based in Medford. And the the boy whose father owned the place uh, was a giant punk rock kid, and so his dad let him essentially clear out the warehouse every now and then and have punk rock shows. And I don't know how. I mean, I know how now, looking back, how you know you get Black Flag to come to Medford is pretty much you just ask 
bands to come and they'll show up. But uh, I, I, at the time, it was one of those things. And the best part about it was, for those of you who live in Wausau, uh, the flyer for the show was always hanging on the inner sleeve wall until oh, yeah. some jackass burned inner sleeve down wow. and burnt down my flyer. And so, yeah. Was it your flyer? Or was it uh, no, no, it wasn't mine, but I, I consider, I, you know, like, sure. Mike, when you retire, all I care about is that one flyer. <laughs> I want you to give me that flyer. So, right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so then then the next, the, the next stellar, uh, uh, the next stellar concert was when I was 16 years old, uh, the Run DMC Raising Hell Tour. No, no, it might have been the Run's House World Tour. I don't remember. It, I think it was Run's House. I think that's what just happened. But that was, I was trying to write down uh, sort of the most influential shows of my life. And uh, that is probably, that Run DMC show is probably the most influential show on so many levels of my entire life. Because one, that's the really sort of the first time I spent any time around African-American folks. Um, two, I, it was the first time I ever saw Public Enemy before before Yo Bum Rush the Show really dropped on the world. Wow. So the I, I've always said that the, the sound that encaps, encapsulates my life the best is the the sonic force of it takes a nation of millions to hold us back that that yeah. Hank and Keith Shockley sound yeah. and I think that that seeing Public Enemy when I was 16 years old with my with my 10 year old brother and my friend Steve Oswald at Mecca uh, Milwaukee yeah in Milwaukee at the Mecca where the Bucks used to play absolutely changed my life you yeah. know just blew me out of the way blew me out of the water completely so. See, I don't think I've had any life-changing concerts, but I also went to see, um, shortly after that ICE concert, I went to see, this is going to make me sound really lame, all of these concerts. Yep, at, at some point, it's going to get better. Right. Um, was Hammer. And I think he was still MC at that time. Okay. And I'm not sure how I got those tickets, but it was at the Target Center in Minneapolis. Wow. And it was a huge show and yeah. I, I there must have been some sort of contest involved there too not that i won this but i must have gone with somebody because the shits were at the seats were ass horrible we were behind the uh, you know like a lighting unit sure and it was just it was terrible we couldn't see the stage you couldn't see what was going on half the time it was just it sucked it, i think at some point we ended up trying to rush the stage just so we could actually see what was going on because he put on a hell of a show it, it was a big spectacle right but i couldn't see most of it and that changed the way i would how i would go to concerts in the future i never wanted to see another target center level show i don't want to see those big spectacles it's just i i, I liked the the ice the small club idea I, all the other concerts i went to were smaller venues where i could practically touch the stage sure that always made it more of an experience for me yeah i mean there there is something to be said for that i really i really do think so 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 yeah i i've gone to some giant like I, i've seen the rolling stones and i've seen you two um you know just these giant monolithic like the the rolling stones thing 
I went with a rabbi friend of mine, and we we had to be a mile and a half from the stage, it felt like. We were at a football stadium and in Washington, D.C., and it was the Steel Wheels Tour, and uh, the Counting Crows opened up. And so the, the funny thing is, is the Counting Crows looked like tiny, tiny dolls on the stage <laughs> from where we were. And I'm like, oh, there's a band. Oh, that's great. You know, and I'd go on to enjoy the band later, but I had no idea what they were even doing. Like right. I couldn't, I, they just couldn't, they couldn't project to my seat 400 yards away from the stage. But then when Mick Jagger was on stage, he looked like he was six feet away from me. You know, for whatever reason, he looked like he was 10 feet tall compared to the other fellow on the stage. And I'm like, okay, so that there's something to be said there. Like, I, I I went to Woodstock, the the one in the '90s, the sort of Woodstock Two or whatever right. that was called, right, right. Um, and uh, and that was that. I mean, that was the first time I ever got to helicopter into a venue because we were working the show, wow. and uh, and so after we got done, one. I mean, that was that's one of those cool moments that happened there as well. Was watching DMX, and so we were leaving. We were in the van leaving the venue uh, to go wherever we were going next, but we wanted I wanted to stop and see DMX, and we were probably a half a mile from the stage. We were through the crowd and, and on our way out the door, and I said, hold on, let me, you know, I just want to watch. Let's just wait here. And so I got out of the van, and I watched DMX, and I don't know if you ever saw, saw DMX no. in his prime before he became whatever he is now. Um and he stood on stage without a hype man, without anybody. There was nobody on stage with DMX. No <laughs> one. And at, by the time it was done, 300,000 people just literally couldn't look away. And he closed the show by doing a prayer. And then he walked off. And no one, you know, normal, I mean, it's 300,000 stone hippies. And it was rough. It was, it was right after or yeah, it was right after the the infamous Green Day mud fight. So everybody was all wound up and it was the, you know, it was all, it was that year and he closed with a prayer and I'm like, that's a dude who's on a, who's doing something on another level. And I just thought, yep, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pay attention to DMX for the, for the rest of his career. And sadly that career is long since over, but yeah. But yeah, I mean, like I saw U2 on the tour. Do you remember when U2 was doing stadiums and they came out of a lemon? No. Remember this at all? No. Pause. I got my batches and cookies. 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 Got my batches and cookies. I got my batches and cookies. I got my batches and cookies. I got my back. Batches and cookies, I got my batches and cookies, I got my batches and cookies, I got my batches and cookies, got my batches and cookies, I got my batches and cookies, I got my batches and cookies, I got my lot. Remember that gooey gooey you uh -huh. took and said ooey ooey I need two or two we at least for my baby booey ooey So in like boobies now you got a nice pair like some boobies And you high up that doobie doobie with your mystery machine Feeling bad where you should be BB don't make nothing cheapy Hanging with them creepy creepies that sit in them bathroom peepees Looking holy holy while looking through them holy holies Holy guacamole you got that gooey now you a phony I I got my batches and cookies. 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 I got my.
the spectacle shows and i and i've really sort of come to like them but i i also you know sort of pay so i'm not sitting behind a lighting pole right you know so uh what it you know so we're older now so what what's your what's your favorite concert you ever went to wow yeah i don't know so what's your favorite That's concert? Tough, you, gone... you know, because you're in different you're in different place right. when you're you get to be an adult and different times shows meant different things to you. Um, when I was living in Minneapolis, my favorite show was probably Digital Underground. Oh, I went to see it at a small club and they were a lot of fun. And then in the middle of it, Tupac came out. He wasn't slated to be there. Nobody knew he was going to be there. He just showed up. So that was. That was something else. That was at Prince's Club in Minneapolis. Wow, that's what had he left? Obviously, he had must have left uh, Digital Underground by that point. No, that was during the Get Around time. Okay, okay, yeah. So they so, so, Pac, so he essentially really, came out and did a set. Yeah, he really wasn't even very well known at that point. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't the Tupac everybody knows. You know, he was the this guy who did, well, he, what was the track that he did where he came out and did some amazing just lines within a digital underground song? Was the song I Get Around? No, it was, that wasn't a digital underground I mean, I remember song. his verse. I remember, because in the video, he was the, the dude sitting in the dashiki on a throne. Right, right, right. That right. was the song. So that was, that was when he, that was when this show was. Yeah. And just before the show was, I get around, it started to come up. Okay. And I loved that track, but I really liked this, you know, this guy nobody had ever heard of, Tupac and a Dashiki. Right. And that's when he came out and it was like, I lost my mind. It was like, oh my God, this guy's amazing. And, you know, it turns out that he was one of my least favorite, favorite rappers. So <laughs> it's just, it's weird how things it's change. Uh, it's digital, digital underground song. The song was called Same Song. Yeah, there you go. Yep. So, yay for the internet. Uh, so that was good. I I really liked, I didn't get to lo- see a lot of hip-hop shows living in Wausau. And I right. I to a lot of them in Milwaukee. I saw LL in first a- at First Ave, and that was really great for the 45 minutes that he played. Sure. And then walked off. Did Any idea why out, he walked off? Didn't come out for any, well, the show was done. He oh, was done. okay. He didn't come out for any encores, nothing. So it was cool to see him, but I was disappointed that this guy came out for forty-five minutes to this huge crowd. When what 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 era of LL was it? Oh, so if it was first Mr. Ab, it was Mr. Smith. Okay, Mama said era. Okay, that era. Okay, so he had a number of hits. I mean, he could have played easily for two hours. Yeah, but didn't. Yeah, I've always it's it's like I saw I've seen a bunch of hip hop shows and I've and it's always that sort of where you think yeah this could have been great and maybe it was I don't know if it was you know sort of the only time I've never the only hip hop band that I've sort of never been let down by was Public Enemy you know I've seen them a bunch and now Chuck and Flav and the guys they tour with with a live band and so. You know, but it's always 
you know, I think Chuck is older, a, sort of a generation older than his contemporaries, if you will. And he, you know, he's one of those guys. He wants to do two hours all the time, even now. So, you know. Yeah. But then, you know, different different stage in my life. I you know, Like 10 years ago, I saw Psychedelic Furs at James Brown's Club in New York City. Wow. And it was just, it was like the week before James died. Okay. So, you know, it was just, it's kind of, I think he was supposed to play New Year's Eve at that club, at his club. And he died right around, right around New Year's Eve. So it was just, you know, it was this band that I'd always liked. Sure. He was a skater growing up and James Brown, I'm in his club. He's supposed to be there, you know, a few days from now. And it was just, it was a cool experience. Yeah. Plus, you were in New York, so you know that's always exactly concerts. You know, one of one of my favorite shows of all time is a is a New York concert, and it was uh, the Rollins and Helmet. Uh, if you were alive in the '90s, you'll know who Helmet was <laughs> at CBGB's, and uh, yes. and it's the so from what I can tell, it's the only time anyone ever blew the PA out at CBGB's. Wow. And so, and it wasn't who blew it out. Helmet did. You can't say you know our guys did, but and then Vernon Reed and Corey from Living Color came and played with the Rollins band that almost the whole night. And so I'm like this, and and at the time CBGBs maybe held 200 people, and it was it was just sort of terrifying. You know, it, it this was the 90s, and you know, sort of the height of CBs. Or I th- I think the height of its popularity, sort of to the outside world, outside of the New York thing, and uh, yeah, it was just it was a sweat box and it was great. So yeah, that was a very as an aside, that was a very underrated group of cats from oh, Living Color. God, yes. I mean, Vernon Reed is just one of the sickest guitar players of all time. Yeah. You know, Corey Corey Glover just ridiculous. I mean, I wish those guys had had more. You know, like that. There's their hit single, uh, "Cult of Personality," is still an amazing song. Yep. You know, do you remember the video when we were and kids? Still relevant. Yeah, right. More relevant. More you know, so to these right. days. Looking at yeah, looking at this election, <laughs> Jesus, Living Color could start a cottage industry on that stuff. <laughs> but you know that that video, you know, sort of it it all. They're they're kind of politics in a, in a way, kind of predated rage against the machine and some of that stuff you know and i'm like okay there yeah but yeah i i saw living color a couple of times in new york and that was always fun at uh uh, irving plaza we saw him there and then saw him in jersey a couple of times so that was always fun but uh yeah so here so here's one of the things i was wondering so uh what what's the difference because i i think for me there's a difference the difference between a concert and a show do you think there's a difference? Oh, sure. Okay, so what do you yeah. think? Yeah, so what do you think? Well, you can have one guy on an acoustic guitar playing a concert. Right. But your Steel Wheels tour, that's a show. Yeah. You know, there's a spectacle involved with the show. Yeah, see, and I think it goes... They're I both think sort it, of the same. I mean, right. you know, they still are concerts, but when there's spectacle involved, right, it's a show. See, I think it goes the other way, actually. So I think anything I did at Scott Street is a show, and anything that I had to buy a ticket to is a concert. Hmm. You know, that's sort of how I 
I think of it just because, you know, we, we did a bunch of shows, but I don't know that we ever did a concert. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, you know, maybe I'm just sort of overthinking that, but you know, I never thought, I never thought of anything that we did at Scott street as a concert, but you know, but at this, you know, I, I think it's a terminology thing. Right. Too. I find myself correcting things that I write because I'll talk about music and I'll say, you know, so-and-so's got a new record coming out. Right. And I'll, I'll delete all of that and then I'll put album because, right. you know, I'm just in, from an age where albums, CDs were records. Right. And it's still, it's still terminology that's used. It's not like it's outdated. It's just, I look at them differently right. than the mainstream. So I think that's what shows and concerts are. So what makes a good concert or show? Just use those interchangeably. Oh, there's a lot of things. I think uh I think that sound is important, like like good sound. You know, I've been to shows where it's been bad, horrible sound. I my friend of mine went to see Montel Jordan at some club in Minneapolis. He walked out with a boombox didn't say anything, set the box down on the stage, pressed play, and proceeded with his show. Oh, God. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that sort of thing, no. I mean, I've, you got to sound good. Because I don't really, I don't like live records, albums. Okay. I don't, I don't care for them, but I like live music. But I want the live music to sound close to the record. I know that's not going to happen. Sure. I want you to sound good when you're singing those songs. I don't want you to sound like the Rolling Stones on a Steel Wheels tour in 2016. Right. Because you're going to sound like shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Oh yeah. You yeah. You want you want them to be good performers. Right. You know. I mean. Yeah. That's why you know. Sort of. If if I, I was thinking, if the stage is more than four feet off the ground, you've got to do something with that. You yeah. know, if if it's you and me in a bar, uh, I'm pretty forgiving, but uh, I'm not that forgiving anymore. So, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I that want you to be able to interact, you know, especially yeah. if you've been on stage enough, I want you to be able to interact with the crowd as though you're comfortable with it. Sure. You know, if you've been touring for 20 years, like Dropkick has, I don't want you to play a show like Miles Davis where you're not interacting with right. the crowd at all. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That was a great show. Yeah, it was. So we went to see Dropkick Murphys, Lucero, and somebody else. I think there was somebody else, right? Yeah, I don't think we made it to that somebody else. All right. But uh, it was me, Eric, and my coworker, Francis, and it was her first concert. (laughs) And... uh, and I just thought, yep, this this could go wrong. This could go horribly wrong for her, you know, but... uh, but it didn't. She she took it she took it like a champ. So you know I I thought it was great. You know we were right there by, by the mosh pit and stuff. So she was all right. So yeah. So I was I was trying to you know one of the things when you do do a podcast like this or write this, this stuff, you end up just sort of thinking about great shows you've seen. Mm-hmm. And so I was you know I I've, I've seen a lot of concerts um, in my life, but uh, like. The, the first Lollapalooza tour, seeing Jane's Addiction as often as I did, I, you know, not to trumpet whatever, not to 
repeat what everybody else has said, but very few bands in the history of my life have made people just lose their minds the way Jane's did. I mean, that was a, that was a whole different thing, you know, and it was, it was by the end of the day, everybody was high and tired and sunburned and just sort of had given it, given themselves over to the moment. And it was so cool to watch. Um, and that was, that was the tour with nine inch nails and body count and the Rollins band, a band called Lush and Susie and the Banshees. Yeah, that was that was one of those things where it. Yeah, I imagined it to sort of be like how, when when people talk about meditation, and eventually things like if you meditate long enough, it, it your consciousness sort of begins to abstract everything, and it all becomes meaningless. I think after twelve hours in the sun and alternative, in twelve hours of alternative rock and roll, it all sort of abstracts. Nearly by the time you got to Jane's Addiction. Everybody was so open to whatever might happen that the whole sh- your whole thing just flipped out. So I'm trying to figure out how Lush fits into all. I don't that really know how, really how Lush fits fit anything into like any of those bands. Nope, nothing at all. There were some some English girls, if I remember. I don't even remember them to be yeah. fair. And uh, another one that I really, really, really liked was uh, Pearl Jam was the opening band. Smashing Pumpkins was second, and the Red Hot Chili Peppers were the headliners. And this was, again, for you old folks, this was before Under the Bridge happened. So it was the tour when, God, this is this is just awesome. It was the tour when uh, Anthony from the Chili Peppers was wearing black shorts with a silver hand up over his penis. And he would come out in a Ice tea and syndicate fishing hat with his hair all tucked underneath. Nice. And uh, yeah, and all the rest of the band was wearing silver and black, essentially the Raiders colors. But yeah, it was, and it was in Pearl Jam, it was at the Rave in Milwaukee in the big room, which is now, I think, called Eagles Ballroom. And Pearl Jam came out wearing Bucks uniforms. Everybody was wearing Bucks uniforms. Wow. And then uh, Billy Corrigan with the Pumpkins had hair. He had his. He still had red curly hair and alienated the the audience so much that people were taking their shoes off and throwing it at them. So, yeah. But the peppers, the peppers during that era when it was still, you know, two thousand people at the very most, and there was a giant mosh pit, were just a, a violently awesome band. So, nice. Let's see what else. So a couple of years. So what's your favorite? Since this is the Here You Are Wausau podcast, what's your favorite Wausau show or concert? Hmm. I don't know. Well, I think the obvious Grand answer is rock and roll. Isn't it rock and roll high school? Well, oh, of course. I think it was Branford Marsalis. Really? Okay. I'd never seen jazz before. Okay. Plus, I was involved in bringing him here. So I got to meet him. You know, that was a big deal for somebody that wasn't a roadie. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was a good show. Yeah. So a couple of years back, I made a list for my for the, for the our Citizen Wassa website. And uh, let's see, I have 10, but I don't think they're in any sort of order. Um, so I have, do you remember E.C. Scott, the woman who played at the pub? So I have that on here as, as number one. 
Um, mainly because by the third time she she had come, she and I had become friends. Sure. And so I had become part of the show at that point. Like she <laughs> she would walk in and you know, and then she'd walk out. We we just it just became this thing, and I was just horribly flattered that this you know big black lady thought I was cool. So. Yeah. Uh, um, there was a band that played at the pub a few times uh, called I Love Ghosts, and I and I was this is horribly you know I'm 45 so I shouldn't use this phrase but I always describe them as art fags, and uh, like they were just sort of uh, an artsy thing and they you know really pretty young men and I was I was always totally impressed by them. Our show that you and I did, uh, right. Rock and Roll High School, right? Uh, mainly because I. Because Wendy kissed me on the mouth. Never forget that moment. So in, in case you forgot, the four bands that played were lower class citizens who stole all of the beer backstage. <laughs> nice. Uh, the, the political revolutionary 19-year-olds pocketbook revolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stall. Stall. And our, and our friends Sunspot. In, in Sunspot. Yep. And we did it at the Elks Lodge. Yep. When the Elks Lodge was letting people do shows. Yep. Um, I also have written down here Stahl. The first time I ever saw them, I was blown away by them. They played at the pub, and it was a writer from the Daily Herald suggested them. So, um, and are they then, still together? No. Uh, they're now two of the guys are in like an Irish band called the Gleasons. Hmm. So, um, and then in case you forgot, the Violent Femmes played in Wausau. I well the fairground right yeah 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 no, they played, I didn't go see that show I went and saw that I was I was part of the I try I talked them into doing it I think essentially did you yeah so because you know he had brought uh, that country girl Sarah Evans beforehand hmm. and Tom and Tom Neal asked I thought it was I thought it was uh, Leanne Rhymes nope Sarah Evans her name was uh-huh. um, and uh, Tom's like who should we get next and and I said well. So it's up to me. You should get the Violent Femmes because they're on the road. Let's do that. They're a Wisconsin band. It'll be a great story. Yeah, you know. And it was just one of those things where I'm like, I don't, I don't think you're going to do this. Oh, oh, wait, you're you're doing this. Oh shit! Now I got to really try to find some people to come to this thing because it might just be me sitting here all by myself. So that was the last time they did it, wasn't it? It was the last time they did that. <laughs> yes. But thank you. Yes, that's right. <laughs> what was the name of that? That. That group that was putting those things on the Kinsey Green Mark Kinsey Green. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was Kinsey, Kinsey Benefits. Kinsey okay, Benefits. I have written down here. Mm. Kirk Howard founded a group called Kinsey Benefits. Yes. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, there's a lot of great music that comes through this area, but it's rarely heard about. Yeah, I mean, where they're up and comers that you know are forgotten about by the time they make something of themselves or or break off into other things like. What was the toast band that everybody was so happy about? Burnt so Toast and Jam. There you go. Yep. People loved that band. Man. Yep. Never heard them. I have no yep. idea what they sound like. They're a bluegrass band. Train. Didn't they come to town? Train played at the Rockwater Fest. Yep. Uh, remember, do you, I don't know if you might have been not here for this, but Little Blue Crunchy Things? Yeah, I remember the name of the band. I yep. They were sort of... Uh, uh, Never seen that either. A party funk band. They were really good. I mean, that was those were terrifying nights for me at the pub. I at <laughs> the first time that they came, because it was like Ed Urbanic and that crew of people, and uh, 
there would be a, it was like blues fest weekend there were i'd never seen that many people in the pub and i and then people were jumping up and down and i thought the floor is going to give way and we're all going to die i mean i i seriously thought at one point the this building is going to collapse under this rock pressure you know yeah but yeah I haven't seen a lot of shows in Wausau, so it's hard for me to say which was my favorite because Wausau tends to like classic rock and blues, and yeah. I don't like either of those styles. So, yeah. you know, and the, I think one of the biggest draws in this area outside of blues is some reggae band, which I like even less than blues. Yep. So it's I haven't gone out to see a lot of live shows in this area. I mean, I think that the, the Grand Theater has done some really, I mean, B.B. King played there, Bonamassa played there, Aretha Franklin played there. Yeah, Bonamassa played at Pub, didn't he? he? So, yeah, that's a that's one of my favorite pub stories. And it's horrible for Joe, right. but I'll, I'll tell it because I can. Um, so he played at Blues Fest that day. And we, we did everything we could because he was an up-and-coming star, really a, a superstar in the making. And, uh, and so we wanted him to come to the jam afterwards. And... Uh, in my theory, and so a girl that I knew really sort of worshipped him and kind of idolized him to the point where, like, he was a saint and just Mister. And it, like, oh, after the show, he puts on his pajamas and then he goes to bed. And I'm like, you know what? Bring bring your boy down here. We're going to see how dirty we can get him because I we were that we were those kind of people. Right. And uh, so we brought him down to the pub, and and this is horrible. But Tom doesn't own the pub, and it's not open anymore, so nobody can send me a bill for this. So I, I pulled like seven or eight girls, pretty young girls in their twenties, and I said, "Look, you you all have an unlimited bar tab tonight, as long as you get that dude drunk." <laughs> and I pointed at Bonamassa, and they're like, "Okay." And so it was on, and so he he proceeded to get ripped with with the, with a bunch of girls. And then I closed the deal by, uh, at the time, uh, I just love this wrinkle, Miss Nude Wisconsin was a friend and so was her mom. And she was a, she was a local, so she came down to the pub as well that night. And I just said, and I'm not going to tell you her name, but uh, please just go flirt with Joe. I just want I just want him to be revealed as the dirty pig musician that all dirty pig musicians are. And... Uh, and she just she put on the just it was an awesome it was like the Michael Jordan of sexual titillation nuance. I'm like I came away thinking, well, I'm totally freaked out by this. And then Joe went took a couple of girls and went back to the hotel afterwards and I'm like, dirty musician. That's right. Look what I did. So But he did he did get up and jam with West Side Andy and the Melford band, so that was kind of fun. So yeah, I mean, I the 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 problem is I was I was trying to think. Of, so hold on, I I got one more question. So All do right. you have a do you have a favorite concert venue that you've been to? Um, first half. Right. First half in Minneapolis. Right. Yeah, it's it's funny because as as like Rolling Stone and Spin and these places do these sort of national polls as to you know where's your favorite rock venue. It's shocking how often First Avenue wins. Just sort of universally regarded as one of the great rock rooms in the world, you know. Just like CBGB. Yeah. Not, I mean, no, nothing like CBGB. No, but I mean, it's, yes, but it's right. Just, you know, it's along the same lines. Right. It's like it's this classic club that doesn't pretend to be anything but 
painted black yeah. ass hat. Right, that, that you it's can a hose out. It's place when you right, turn the lights on. It's all rubber and it's all concrete. Right. So there's nothing that they can't hose out at the end of the night. Right. You know. So, but I mean, they get amazing, amazing uh, shows. I saw the tail end of a Bjork show where Prince was, you know, upstairs watching. I mean, it's just you see some amazing stuff there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you and I saw the Black Keys there, right? I mean, I and that, that and that killer Mexican wrestler surf band. What? Do you remember their opening act was like some Mexican wrestling surf band? I call them that because they had the Mexican wrestling masks on. Was it Doctor Dog? No. Okay. So, I forget the name of them. Yeah, no, I don't the, know. It might be on the poster, which I still have up, hanging up in our okay. hallway. Yeah, but I still have the poster, too. I'm going to have to go look. But They were, uh, yeah, they were. that was 10 years ago. Yeah. I remember that, sh- that show made me cry. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because they, I, I, I still think to this day Dan Auerbach has the most perfect guitar tone I've ever heard. For me personally... It's the one. It's the guitar sound, like the guitar sound on his Thick Freakness record is is my favorite recorded guitar sound of all time. So, yeah. So when they they I know that the moment that they came out for their encore and they did an Iggy Pop song, I just started to cry. You know. <laughs> By the way, I just bought Iggy Pop tickets. No, did you? Iggy and the Iggy's touring with the Queen of the Queens of the Stone Age for where'd you go? Chicago venue. Chicago. Okay. Um, and. Uh, Jesse Dayton just saw him in at South by Southwest. And so he sent me a text message. I just saw him and they were great. And I texted back and I'm like, well, he's getting older. So how, how did he look? And he's like, he texted me back. And he's like, best front man of all time. I'm like, okay, good. Cause that's, that's what I think too. I think that. It, and it's his last, it, you know, it sounds like it's going to be his be, last, yeah. his last hurrah. So, you know, he sold songs to commercials. So I hope he's got enough money to retire, but I mean, yeah, he's playing, big like 10,000 seaters with queens of the stone age so that's kind of cool nice you know but uh yeah i first have i've seen such a range of shows there and it's just been good every time at dj shadow you know ll yeah. black keys it's been i saw this last year i saw the afghan wigs there and then i saw sleater kinney as well in their reunion tour right and the afghan wigs were as a matter of fact i'm missing Tonight I was I was gonna go to Chicago tonight to see Greg Dully. He's doing a one man show in, in Chicago, but I I decided I'm gonna be traveling a lot for work, so I said okay. I, I just saw him last year, so I'll just wait. Um, but yeah, the the wigs were amazing, and uh, a woman named a hip hop woman named Lizzo opened up for Sleater Kinney, and she does a song. She does a song called Batches and Cookies, and I just thought. This woman is a star. Oh my lord! So, some local girl. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and she's on uh, the lady, the woman who who was in the band L Seven has a record label that, and that's how she came out. So, all right. So uh, she's on somebody's soundtrack. I just saw. I forget what soundtrack she really, that was. Yeah, she was last year. My friend Stacy saw her at uh, the Boney Vare Festival in Eau Claire. What's it? Yeah, god. right. Yes, exactly. I, I could take a nap for two days through that shit. But uh, yes, that's just me wanting, you know, if you have a guitar and you have an amplifier, let's just fucking use that shit, homie. But uh, all right, so we've been going for a while. Anything else? So so the other concert that I think I had that I have written down here is I went and saw 
uh, social distortion at the Roxy and what would become the social distortion live at the Roxy record. Nice. And so, uh, and that leads me to this idea of to to best front man. So we can have that. We'll have that discussion now too. But uh, mm. I think that no one in in all of the concerts I've seen, and I've seen I've seen Frank Sinatra. I don't think anyone walks onto a stage better than Mike Ness walks onto a stage. And uh, hmm. like when uh, I went with uh, Jess Dale. And Jeff, Jeff Janikowski and Tom Jordan to uh, Social D played in Green Bay. And I said, look, I don't care if you guys pay attention to anything else, but I want to watch you guys watch Mike walk on stage. <laughs> just because, because I think he changes the whole room when he walks out. So, But that's just me. So who's your favorite front man of all time? Uh, I don't know. I can't really answer that. I haven't seen a lot of shows. Well, that you've seen. Let's see. I'm looking at the list here. My favorite front man of the shows that I've seen is a woman. And it would be Gwen Stefani. Really? I went to see No Doubt when Tragic Kingdom was released. Whoa. So they were barely known. Right. And Goldfinger opened for them. At first half. And nobody knew who the hell Goldfinger was, even though they had a top 20, 40 hit on the radio. And uh, we were upstairs at first half, just sitting at a table, chilling, overlooking the stage. And the Goldfinger front man, whatever his name was, Alex or something, Alec, I forget. Anyway, came by and asked if he could put his drink on our table and just sit and watch No Doubt. So we sat and chilled with the lead of Goldfinger for a while. There wasn't no doubt. I mean, they weren't on stage yet because the Goldfinger was opening. It was whoever was opening for, you know, the Goldfinger band. And Goldfinger went out and just rocked their set. They were amazing. And then nobody in the club would leave them alone after that. Wow. So it was kind of cool to just sit and chill with this guy for a little while. But, yeah, she came out and she put on just the most high-energy thing I've ever seen. And apparently... I understand she's not as tall as she looked on stage, okay. but I swear she was as tall as me. Oh wow! Yeah, she looked. Yeah, I think. Huge, yeah, but she put on men, a hell of a show. Yeah, front men look amazing. You know, yeah. like I saw. Actually, uh, I take that back. Okay. She put on a hell of a show, but the most amazing front man of all time is whatever his name is from Reverend Horton Heat. I think he's. I think that's the Rev. I don't know what his. Yeah, I that's don't know probably what his real true. name is, but uh, Reverend Horton Heat and his crew jimbo and, and the yeah. crew put on i i can't imagine having that much energy yeah I mean, they put on an astounding show yeah that's true yeah i mean i th- i think i and i've seen iggy pop before and i always say that iggy is the heavyweight champion of, of rock and roll and everybody else is playing for second place right. um but you know like i like i think mike ness walks on stage in a, an amazing way like i i saw uh Saw Lemmy a New Year at a New Year's Eve show for with Motorhead once. It was Motorhead and Pantera. Wow! Indoors, and I just came away. Just I, Deaf. I yeah, I think I was. I think I'm permanently <laughs> damaged from that. Um, God, I mean, I've seen some just sort of amazing front men over the years. Like I think Greg Dooley from from the Afghan Wigs is is just an amazing. Hold on, I'm sorry. Wait, all of this is has to be stopped because. 
I've seen Prince in concert and I forgot. <laughs> so it's it's Iggy Pop, then Prince, then everybody else is playing for the rest because I've I've always said I can't believe I can't believe we did this. I can't believe I went this long without remembering that I've that I paid a ridiculous amount of money of my retirement fund to go see Prince several times. Um, but Prince always has the best, like right now, whatever Prince is doing, he's better than everybody else at it. The band is better than everybody else. Third Eye, Third Eye Girl, just the, the greatest rock trio of all time, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. And, Prince is funny because I've never seen him in concert. Yeah. He, we used to hang out at this club in Minneapolis and he came in one night and we were in the we had VIP sure. status or whatever you want to call it at the club so we always hung out in this VIP room and I didn't dance so I would just sit in this club in this VIP room and watch everybody else and Prince and his crew walked in one night so I just stood there hanging out with Prince right talking to Prince right it was the craziest thing and he's just the most low-key guy yeah. and for all the shows that I've seen him do you know on, on TV or YouTube or whatever it is, he's just so not that guy in person. Yeah, right. I yeah, no, I yeah, Prince. Right. I you know that musicology tour. I went down south and followed that around for a couple of weeks. Wow. Yeah, it just yeah. I've never seen. I've just never seen anything like that. So that's his is yeah. Sorry, Prince. Forgot all about Prince. So, <laughs> and the show's over. Right. So now that we I'm completely Prince. flummoxed. So, uh, so let's get to our endorsements for the for the week for the podcast. I'll let you start while I catch my breath. Let's see. I what am I? Hold on. I'm gonna open up some Trello here because I wrote them down, and apparently I can't remember anything if I don't read it. Okay. So I got an app. Okay. First app is called Mealtime. I don't know if you've heard about it, but no. it's kind of cool. It, it puts together a six-day plan based on your eating preferences. So if you want to eat low-carb, if you're a vegetarian, if if you're a, what's called a flexitarian, okay. which I'd never heard before, you're a vegetarian, but yeah, you might eat meat once in yeah. a while. You can set it up based on that, and it, it accounts for allergies and eating restrictions, what you like, what you don't like. And you can set it up for meal size, you know, how many servings per. So it'll put out the six-day meal plan for you, and then it'll also give you a shopping list for those six days, all right inside the app. Really? So you go into this checklist. You've got your groceries that you need to purchase. You get all the recipes. You get pictures. You get Yeah, it's pretty slick. Is the icon like a lemon? Yeah, a okay. lime. Okay, because I was looking at it because there's this other weird app from from Japan that's called Mealtime as well. So, yeah, no, that's uh, it's pretty slick. Cool. So I uh, I'll pick an app, and I think it's going to be hilarious. Uh, Slack. Really? All all those years. Haven't uh, you panned Slack? In I have because I just didn't understand it. I didn't have a you because you know I. I, you see the videos, you're like, oh, this is going to be great. We're going to use this. And there's no point in two people using it for, for you and I. But I'm doing this new project with, we'll say, some people who are email intensive. Yeah. And there's like the, the group has expanded out to like 15 or 20 people. And so for that for that project, I'm using Slack to manage our communications. And it's it's working really well because – Otherwise, it'd be you know two hundred emails a day, 
you know, and so this way I don't have a, an email thread that's, you know, six people deep and 48 emails long and I have to find whatever it is in the middle. I, you know, it's, it's right. Slack turned out to, to be something I understand and use. So I apologize to the makers of Slack for shitting on their, their app a couple of times. So nice. So go ahead. Yours. You got another one? I came across a film this week called Code, The Debugging of the Gender Gap. And it's a, it's a documentary yeah. about – it exposes why there are very few women and minorities as software engineers in the tech industry, which is what I'm a part of. And uh, it asks the question, what would society gain from having more women and minorities – coding and it's a it's a great film it was just on pbs right that's we're like hanging out one night and you texted me no no that was was, oh that was was big data data one the big data one this is about coding programming and there's very few women and minorities and this looks at why that is and what we can do to resolve those those issues that's cool a big talking point in today's not this movie but the fact that there are very few women and minorities and coders programmers in the tech industry is a big talking point in, in social media at least from what i'm involved in yeah so at at work are there women and minorities in the it side of what where you work um i mean there could always be more but i mean are there some one woman, one minority. Okay. Well, otherwise they're all white dudes. Out of if, if so, out of how many? Fifty, a hundred? Oh, a lot. Yeah, it's probably close to fifty. Oh Jesus, that's bad. That's yeah. tough. Yeah, that's it's... yeah. But yeah, okay. But it's a problem nationwide. It's a problem in Silicon Valley. It's sure. a problem everywhere. So it's uh, hopefully films like this open an awareness. That's cool. That's super good. So I my next one was uh, a TV show on I think it's on HBO, uh, Vinyl. Oh yeah. So initially I was like, oh god, I don't want to watch another uh, sort of '70s show about the music industry, which is just a, a giant ode to cocaine and Lou Reed. I didn't want to do <laughs> that. But then. Uh, my friend and favorite drummer of all time, Sugar Sim, Sugar Sim Kane, is involved in the show. So I'm like, okay, so I'll watch it now. And it's it's really cool. I mean, you, sh- you should, if you want, you should watch it. Because it really sort of encapsulates a little bit of our, our younger nightlife years. You know, we weren't millionaires running a, a record label in the 70s, but we were absolutely prowling the evenings the same way yeah and uh and there's a there's an amazing uh myth mythological or fictional band in there called the the nasty bits that i just i think is cool and uh on the record there's a soundtrack and sim plays the drums on all the tracks so i was you know i'm like okay so i'll pay attention because sim is involved but yeah it's a good show i really like it plus uh ray romano's in it that's right and uh and he's he's described uh as a basket case, it's, it's fair to say, a coked out basket case. And apparently, in the next episode, we're going to see Ray Romano full frontal nudity, hmm. which I don't know if that's a good thing. But I think 
I can always turn away if it's really bad, but I, I sort of want to see it. So, yeah. I just, there was a headline I was trying to find. I can't right now, but there was a uh, an app I just saw a headline about today that said it was trying to mimic the uh, the feeling that you get flipping through vinyl in a record store. Oh, wow. And apparently it did a good job of it. Well, that's cool. I don't remember what it was now, but yeah. I find that hard to believe. Yeah, the first I, thing I thought of was smell. Right. Smell is the, with vinyl record stores, that's the first thing you think of is smell. You're not going to get that in an app. No, you're just not. Children are destined to be disappointed. Well, my third recommendation is Brian Fallon's solo record, Painkillers. For those of you who don't know, Brian Fallon is the frontman for the Gaslight Anthem. And uh, it's a pretty good first solo outing. A lot of the critics have said he's uh, uh, one of this generation's best songwriters. Which I tend to agree with. Yeah, and uh, I think that I was talking to somebody at work about it, and he's he's never going to get away from the gaslight sound. No, oh. and it sounds like a stripped sound version, an acoustic version of a gaslight record. But when you're a, when you're a good songwriter, I don't think that matters. You know, he's compared to Springsteen a lot, and I, it doesn't matter what Springsteen did; it was Springsteen. Right, and I hope he becomes. You know, some people start referring to him as, you know, Brian Fallon. Yeah, those those Gaslight records are really, really good. Yeah, you know, like the the YouTube clips. Uh, like I watch, I've watched Springsteen live at Hyde Park over in England, and it's a daytime. He's playing in the daytime, wow. and he brings Fallon out to do it, and they do, uh, a, they do London Calling by the Clash together in London. Oh. Oh, no kidding. Wow, and I'm like, gotta, that's really quite cool. That. You know? And I guess uh, he's he's brought him up on stage. Springsteen's brought him up on stage a bunch. So wow. they must have some sort of connection. But I really it's like... It's a lot like Get Hurt, their Gaslight's last album, which okay. is sort of a very emotional, personal record for Brian Fallon. He was going through a divorce and he had a lot of other stuff going on. So this record sounds a lot like that sort of sounds like the you know the next step in in that growth whatever yeah. it is yeah so uh my uh final one is an album as well and it's uh the band is called the i don't cares mm-hmm. and it's uh paul westerberg from the replacements and juliana hatfield from Juliana Hatfield. <laughs> um, I think she was in what the hell was that band Tanya Donnelly, Tanya Donnelly had? But she was part of the Screaming Trees, right? No, the Amherst Crew. You know her and Evan Dando and yeah, God, what was that girl's Tanya Donnelly? So, uh, um, and so she has. They did a record together, and I think it's really good. Tanya Donnelly. Okay, I'm just going to have to look it up on Wikipedia here while we're talking. Some girls. She founded... Oh, Belly! Belly, that's what... Yeah, I said Screaming Trees. I I knew what I was talking about when I said it, but yeah. Yep, the Screaming Trees were a lot more manly. But uh, (laughs) yeah, so uh, uh, she was part of that sort of second generation right after the Pixies and stuff, and... uh, yeah, it's really just sort of singer songwritery stuff, and I really kind of like it. So, 
Right. Yeah. Good. All right, so that's our podcast for today, folks. There you have it. Thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, you can find us on Twitter, and you can find us on Facebook, and you can find Eric and I on Twitter and Facebook, or you can find me on Twitter and Facebook. Eric, are you on Twitter or on Facebook? No. Okay. I have a business. I have a business card that Eric did as well. So oh, aren't you fancy, Mr. That's Professional? Right. Exactly, grown man. So, all right. So uh, reach out. Reach out to us. Tell us what your favorite concert was. Tell us, you know, how we're wrong about whatever we're wrong about, and uh, and we'll and we'll go from there. And we're out. All right, we're out. It spins around, you recognize this sound, well it's the underground You know that we're down with what you like With what you like And though we're usually on the serious tip, check it out Tonight we're gonna flip and trip and let it all hang out tonight We're gonna say what we like Cause yo yo, we wanna know how many people in the flow Will like to just let yourselves go and do what you like What's tonight's your night? Just eat food, try not to be crude or rude Kill the attitude, chill the serious mood, and do what you like. And do what you like. Everybody do what you like. I see guys and girls dancing. Yeah, do, do what, what you like. like. I see guys and girls dancing. Just do what you like. I see guys and girls dancing. Yo, go where you like. I see guys and girls dancing. I mean, rich, poor, high, lower, upper, middle class. Let's all get together and have a few laughs and do what we like. And do what we like. And since you came here, you gotta show and prove. And do that dance until it don't move. Do what you like. Sometimes I bite. Now if you're hungry, get yourself something to eat. And if you're dirty, then go take a bath. Messed up the line? Nope, sometimes I don't rock. Help yourself to a cracker with a spread of cheddar cheese. Have a neck bone. You don't have to say please. Eat what you like. Yo, smell how you like. Everybody do what you like. I see guys and girls dancing. Do what you like. I see guys and girls dancing. Yo, do what you like. You know what I'm saying? Whatever you like to do, talk how you like. Now just act a fool. It's okay if you drool, cause everybody's gonna strip and jump in the pool and do what we like. And do what we like. Homegirls, for once, forget you got class. See a guy you like? Just grab him in the biscuits. And do what you like. No red, white, tan, black, yellow, or brown. It really doesn't matter, we could all get down and do what we like. And do what we like From a pigskin Yankee To a blue black southerner Ditch digger or governor Just do what you like Look how you like Now don't you know we're getting busy We can't be corrected Shay fair have to be deaf I say what I like Like I said sometimes we bite Even though you don't think it's right Yo, I like to bite just having fun, y'all. And if you think that it's wrong, you got to admit it's a new type of song. Do, do what, what you like. like. I see guys and girls dancing. Yeah, do what you like. I see guys and girls dancing. Yo, go where you like. Go where you like. I see guys and girls dancing. Yo, do who you like. All right, here we go, y'all. Do what you like. Talk how you like. Drink what you like. Grab who you like. Feel what you like. Eat what you like. Scratch where you like. 
Itch if you like. Go where you like, kid. A brief announcement to all radio DJs. If this record is currently being played at your station, we will provide the following time for you to announce your station identification. We'd also like to add that we've now reached the three and a half minute mark of this song. Radio stations may begin your fade here. For those that would like help, we will start your fade for you. record is being played at a club, disco, lounge, house, basement, or block party, car, stereo, stoop, or at any other social gathering, we will now allow the beat to continue and proceed to give you more of what you like. This message has been brought to you by the makers of The Way We Swing and the underground Talk How You Like Posse. Uh, I feel like a nice big bowl of cereal. Icy cold milk. Can I, can I eat some ice cream? <laughs> Look, I told you, kid, eat what you like, okay? Now the beat goes on to the break of dawn I just peep this, y'all Cause we're singing the song I do what you like Yeah, I do what you like And since you came here You gotta show and prove And do that dance Until the door move I do what you like Like I said, sometimes we bite Now we're all getting stupid And acting a fool Anything that you really wanna do is cool So go fingers Cut what you like Let me tell you who I am Aw shit if you're hungry, then get yourself something to eat. And if you're dirty, then go take a bath. And do what you like. Stats of Sonic suggest for the hip hop fan. And since we're not your average everyday rap band, you're Yo, piano man. Play how you like. gonna strip and jump in the pool and wait, wait a minute wait a minute don't take your clothes off yet not yet wait till we get home now if you wear corrective shoes and you got big onions toenails smell and look like onions don't do what you like go yeah, see a foot yeah, doctor yeah. tonight everybody, everybody do what you like what you like just do what you like do what you like everybody do what you like Shy girl or loud like Obama. From Connecticut or from Louisiana. Bad table etiquette, too much chatter. Very well spoken, a real back grammar. A minority token, a brother in the slammer. A free civilian with a house in Santa Ana. If you got a million and live in Atlanta. If you got a weak bladder, I can't climb a ladder. What we're saying is it really doesn't matter. I need a word that sounds like Ada. Slipped on a peel of banana to what you like. Yeah, cold getting stupid. Once again, you got the sound of the underground. Yeah, Baby boy. dope is in the house. Boy. Yeah.
Now we putting things in check, baby D. I'm with it. Yeah. Yo, Dave, let's show them some old school. It makes no sense just standing around. Come on, everybody, let's all. Yeah, and do what we like. And from a lime to a lemon, a lemon to a lime. Come on, young ladies, let's And do what we like. Now I could sing, I could dance, I'm the king of romance. All you sweet young ladies gonna give you a chance to do what you like. And get that thing packed tonight. Vanessa Williams, ooh, you're so divine. Just wanted to put your name in my rhyme. I do what you like. Yeah. Everybody do what you like. Okay, I'm just go to the back room right now, okay? Just me you. Yeah. Oh, don't take your clothes off.